1: Hey Christ Fellowship. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Can y'all just greet someone next to you right quick? Just say hello to someone right quick. Just give them a little high-five, a little handshake, a little dap. There you go. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Independence day weekend is yet upon us again. We got fireworks going off, especially in my neighborhood. Woo! Right. But we're going to talk about some important things today here in the house of the Lord here in Christ Fellowship. My name's Elliot. And i am um, got to tell you something interesting that I've noticed in my children in the most recent, like maybe about a year. So we have one TV in our house and that's just the TV. And we watch whatever's uh, scheduled to watch or we watch whatever we're going to do. The kids takes turns, so if, uh, if she wants to watch Barbie, we're watching Barbie. And if he wants to watch Transformers, we're watching Transformers, and it is what it is. But one thing that my children have gotten into is game shows. They got into it. And I was really surprised about it, though, because not only do they understand the object of the game, but they are, like, cheering for certain people. When someone fails, they go, oh! And when someone succeeds, they go, yeah. And they are so into these game shows. Now, I love game shows, too, because game shows are fun. It's interactive. It makes you think, like, hmm, if I was in that game show, would I win? Most likely, you wouldn't. But, hey, you know, you got to try. So I'll give you my top two, right? And maybe maybe you're vibing with me on this. Maybe you're not. So my number two favorite game show, and I don't know if you like this show. Maybe you do. It probably won't be a surprise, those of you who know me. My number two favorite game show is Jeopardy. Love me some Jeopardy. Who got Jeopardy? Y'all like Jeopardy, right? Right? Now, I know, I know you're watching on TV, watching Jeopardy, and you think you'd be the big winner in that, too. But maybe you're like me, and someone has a, a, the response, and they go, um, what is Apple? And I'm like, Psh, that's not Apple. That's correct. It's Apple. I was like, oh, wow, I'd have lost $1,000. Wow, look at that. But my number one favorite game show that kept me in, in such a good mindset when I was a little kid, you know, sick from school, and I would, you know, had to stay home. And I would just, you know, have a, a, just this time where I knew it was a special time, 11 a.m., CBS 2, The Price is Right, baby. That you know The Price is Right is a good one, right? The Price is Right. I had to go pick up something yesterday at PC Richardson, they had prices Right on and I, I went to it like a fly to light. I was just dialed in right there, right there, spin the wheel. And the guy got the dollar too. So I was like, yes! And I don't know that guy. But, you know, I was cheering for him. I was cheering for him. It was cool. But one game show. That my children and my wife Colleen and I really love. We've gotten into this one and we're like doing research, we're looking at it, we're following the people that are on the game show. It's, a, it's new, it's relatively new on Netflix. It's called Is It Cake? How many of y'all been watching Is It Cake? Y'all been, uh huh. You're watching Is It Cake, right? I know you're watching Is It Cake. I'm watching Is It Cake. Second season just dropped, so you know what I'm gonna be doing <laughs> later tonight, watching watching Is It Cake. So we've been watching Is It Cake. We've been looking at it. We've been, we've been, like, looking up the Instagram of the bakers. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you haven't seen the show, these people are so talented. These cake artists, I mean, they are making these things. I, I mean, it's just amazing. And we've watched, and there's some other, like, you know, competitor shows. Like, there was a Disney one. There was a Dr. Seuss one. But is it cake? There's just, these people are just the top tier. And it's so good what they do. And the object of the show is this. So here's the game. For those of you who haven't seen it, I'm going to just put you on game a little bit right now so when you watch it you can know what's up. You have a host and you have judges and you have bakers. And what they have to do is this. They have to make a cake. The obviously, but 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 but. The cake they're making are specific objects. There's been a sewing machine, a cash register with the bills coming out of it. There's been like these different sculptures. And what they have to do is they have to fool the judges and determine, you guessed it, is it cake? And I love that show because it really kind of throws you. You're looking at it like, hmm, is it cake? Is it? You're looking, you're looking. And I'm watching with the kids. We're watching. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? And one of them's right, and they love it. And it, it's, so, it's such a good show because it makes you really try to think, like, what is, like, the real deal cake? And what is, like, this object? And it makes me think about what we want to talk about today, about the reality of our lives, what's in us, and whether or not we are the real deal, whether or not we are authentic, whether or not we are the genuine article in our lives. So as you know, we've been going through scripture and we've been dwelling in certain books. That's our word of the year, to dwell, to just see what is God doing in these specific books. And the book we're gonna look at today has a theme in it. Is a theme in it that is something that is really important. And when I say it's really important, by that I mean this. It is important to every relationship you have. Parent to child, friend to friend, spouse, co-worker, you name it. Not only that, most importantly, this really is what, is a, what makes the real substance of your relationship with God. And this will determine whether or not, not only are you like a real person or a fake person, but whether or not you are trustworthy, whether or not you can handle responsibilities, whether or not people look up to you, and whether or not your words mean anything at all. So what is this word that we're going to talk about today? And what's this book that we're going to look at? Well, the word we're going to look at today is the word integrity. Everybody say that word real quick. Integrity. And the book we're going to look at, and this is a great book of scriptures, one of my favorite books personally, is the book of Daniel. So we're going to take a look at the book of Daniel. And now in the book of Daniel, we could talk about a lot of things. We can talk about how Daniel had prophetic dreams about what has happened throughout history that's been verified by scholars of all different uh, sources and, and, and their knowledge and materials they've looked at. We could talk about the historical nature, about how what he was doing in the time he was alive. And, and we're going to take a look at that as well. And we could talk about, uh, about how he was able to maintain himself in the times he was living in. But most of all, what we have to look at is Daniel himself. And what what was he doing? What was he about? Why does he get a book of the Bible? What what was so special about him and what he was doing? He was a man of integrity. Now, let's take a look at the word integrity. So here's some definitions for the word integrity, Ready? So if you just look up the word integrity, go on your dictionary.com, Merriam-Webster, whatever, whatever your choice is. If you look up uh, the definition for integrity, you'll find three. So here's definition number one, integrity, adherence to a moral and ethical principles, soundness of moral character, honesty. So that's one. Two, the state of being whole, entire, or undiminished. So nothing that's brought down. Example, to preserve the integrity of the empire. That's the example that is used right there. And then number three, and as I've heard many times, this is where it really comes from. This is like the root of the use of the word integrity. A sound, unimpaired, or perfect condition. Example, this is important. This is the source. The integrity of a ship's hull. Now, for those of you who don't know what a ship's hull is, that's the body of the ship. If the ship's hull does not have integrity, there will be some type of hole that will be in there. Now, you don't have to be a ship person. You don't have to serve in the Navy to figure this one out. If there's a hole in the ship's body, what's coming in there right quick? Water. That's right. And if there's water that's being taken on a ship, what's going to happen to that ship? It will sink. Why? Because the hole, the body of the ship lacked integrity. It could not survive It could not do what it was supposed to do and be a ship that you would get on. If someone told you, hey, we're going to go on this boat over here, but, you know, the integrity is a little eh, about the ship. Are you getting on that? You better not. Now, if you're going to say, well, I'll take my chances. Mm, I I, I don't know about all that. But what we're going to see is that Daniel, this guy, he is a man of integrity. And that integrity he had, that soundness, that undiminished character. That, that, that strong ship body, that, that hull, that preserved him throughout his whole life from when he was a teenager all the way to when he was an old man. And that's what you see in the book. And he went through a lot, a lot of situations he went through where his integrity was tested, where he could have compromised. He could have done something wrong. He could have just went along to get along. He could have, and many people around him did. But him and a few others, they did not. And as we'll see, God honored that. He honored the choice of his integrity. And my prayer for all of us today is that we, by the end of our time together, that we will stand before God saying that I'm committing to be a man, a woman of integrity, like how Daniel was. I, my prayer is that all of us really like, look, look deep into our hearts and really think about, man, am I really what I say I am? Am I really who I'm supposed to be? Or am I fake? Am I a liar? Am I like, it's all these things. So we'll take a look at that later. But let's, let's introduce Daniel though. So check this out, right? So if you have your Bible with you, you can, you can just turn to the book of Daniel, just chapter uh, one, verse one. We're going to start just introducing who is this guy because this lays a good framework. If not, you can just follow along with me. So what we have here is this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, we've been talking about this whole episode for weeks now. You know, if you've been here for a while, that the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah, were conquered by the Babylonians. They were taken over. Many people were exported back to the capital of Babylon. The city was destroyed. We've talked about that for weeks now. So you know the setting if you've been here, if you've been listening along, you've been following along. So what we have here is this. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to his temple in Babylonia and and put it in the treasure house of his God. So that temple was ransacked. It was taken away. The city's destroyed. Now here's the part where Daniel comes in. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians, and the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they had to enter the king's service. Among those chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Now, if those names don't sound familiar, don't worry. You, you know them by other names later, as, as if, you're, if you've been in church a while. You've, you've heard these names, but not that version. So what do we have here? We have the king of Babylonia grabbing the best and brightest, the best and brightest, the guys who look good, sound good. All right, we're going to bring y'all, and y'all going to serve in the king's charge. You're going to serve the emperor and the empire, and you're going to do what we say. We're going to train you. We're going to teach you all our stuff all that. So you're going to do the thing here. But here's the thing that we have to understand. As we're going to look at two specific episodes of Daniel's life, we know that his former life has been destroyed. We know that. We know he's been trained in the ways of Babylonia. We know that. We know that him and some of his friends have had to just be entered into this new life, in this new culture, with new perspectives, new ideas, different religion, different philosophy. We know that. But there's been two episodes that we're going to look at here, and we're going to see how did he maintain his integrity in spite of all of that, and what can we learn from it. So the first episode is this. It actually continues right, right away here. It's the first episode is the king's feast, the food table that's prepared for these kids to learn about Babylonian customs and what to do. Now, I have a picture right here. There's some artwork right there. You see you have a full feast laid out, and there's those young boys right there ready to eat, but they're not going to eat it. They're not going to eat this food. Now, I know some of us here, you put food in front of you, it's, it's on. It's on. And you're getting ready for that 4th of July barbecue. You're getting ready for everything. It's, the food is good. It, it's on. And you might think to yourself, like, oh, just, just eat, just eat. Like, it's, it's no big deal. Now, to some. It might not be. But to Daniel and his friends, this is a big deal. This is a big deal for him to eat this food. So what happens is this. They say, eat the food. But then Daniel and his friends say, we can't. We can't eat that. You have to eat that. No, no. This is the food we're giving you. You must consume this food. you got to eat it. And Daniel and his friends say, no. We can't eat that. If we eat that, we're going to defile ourselves. Now, what does that mean? That sounds like a crazy word. We are going to mess ourselves up. We are going to make ourselves unclean. For Daniel and his friends to eat from this table would be compromising his integrity. Now, why though? What's the big deal? It's just food, man. Like just 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 eat up. Just have some plates. Have fun. It's a party. But here's the problem. We know already that their home city has been destroyed. We know that their lives have been upended. We know that they've been really just just messed up in their lives. We understand that. But they have to maintain their identity. As a Jewish person in that time, there were very strict eating laws. Now, we can see this in our world today because some of these laws have been kept in Jewish communities. It's called kosher. And I'm sure you've heard about that before. But they had to maintain this, not only because they were Jews, but think about what we said before. These guys were part of the nobility They're part of the royal house. They probably have David somewhere in their family tree, the king, the famous king. So for them, they've been just adhering to all these codes of how to live a life. They can't just let that go. They can't. And Daniel, being a man of faith, actually puts it all out there and said, you know what? We will prove that by maintaining our integrity, not only will we do right by God, but we will be better for it. So you have this in in, in, uh, verse 11. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your service for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So he plays out the challenge. Listen, I'm not willing to compromise my integrity. And I know that God is going to sustain me. In fact, I'm so confident in God that I'm going to say, you know what? Let's make a little challenge right here. Let's do a game show, in fact. Feed them that. Feed us this. Give us 10 days. Let's see who looks better. And wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? Daniel and his friends. Healthier. Stronger. Brighter it was proven right there was a reward for daniel and his friends to maintain their identity and their integrity and sometimes it'll be so easy so easy for us to compromise and think it's not a big deal but that's a matter of faith isn't it it's a matter of faith in believing that god will do what he's going to do for us his people who he loves and who love him back so it's a matter of faith that we have to talk about there So at the end of this, they entered in the king's service. And not only that, but they were put with a high status, given responsibility to do things that everyone else wasn't responsible to do. So not only were they honored personally, spiritually, they were honored professionally. There was a, a reward for their integrity and their service that they were doing. So that brings us to a couple lessons we can learn for this. And this is important because we have to think about this in our own lives. So the first lesson is this. I do what I do because of who I am. Now, think about that in your life. You got to think about that now. In fact, let's just say that statement together. I do what I do because of who I am. So, you have to really think about this. Your actions, the things you do, there's a source to that. It's not random. It's not random what you do, it's not random what you say. It's not, well, you got to understand, this is what I grew up with. I understand that, and that's a part of it. But you have to understand this, is that as you mature as an adult, as you come into adulthood, you really have to start, use wisdom to evaluate yourself. You are who you are at this moment. It might not be who you've always been, and if you're in Christ, it's definitely not. But even with that, there's things that God wants to expose in our hearts. There's things God wants to expose in our thinking. There's things that God wants to expose in our actions that we have to really think, is this, is this who I am? And you really have to ask yourself that. You know, and, and you have to get deep with it. you got to get deep with it because you can easily think, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as this girl. I mean, look at them. Look at her. Look at him. Look what they do. We ain't talking about them. We're talking about you and your life, your day-to-day living. So you gotta ask yourself some important questions because the question really is, is who, who am I then? Because your actions are following that. So now ask yourself some questions that are really hard to answer. You know, you gotta kinda go ahead to God and say, God, am I a liar? Am I a liar? Do I perpetually lie to cover myself? Do I lie to people? Do I say things that are not true just so I don't get in trouble? Do I do I lie? Am I a liar, God? Or you know, am I God? Am I am I a am I I a gossip? Am I a gossip? Do I I like to like you know talk that talk behind people's back? Now let me tell you, chances are, if you're talking behind their back, they're probably also talking behind your back. So beware of that because it tends to have a boomerang effect. Or if you want to really get even deeper into it, God, am I am I like a am I some type of like nasty sexual deviant? Like am I am I I a pervert, God? Is the problem not what's out there, but the fact that I want to see it? Is that the real problem, God? I do what I do. Because of who I am. But who are you? Are you a liar? Are you a cheat? Are you a fornicator? Are you a pervert? Are you an abuser? Are you a gossip? Are you? And I know you might think, like, well, once in a while, I do what I do because of who I am. And if you're willing to compromise once in a while on things, then who are you? Are you one way Sunday, another day Monday, another thing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Ooh, those are good days. Saturday, eh, Sunday, start over. It's something that only you can answer. I can't answer that for you. Nobody can answer that for you. It's something that you need to look into yourself and say, God, expose this in me. Daniel and his friends knew who they were and that's why they couldn't eat that food. It's because of their identity and their integrity. Second lesson is this from that. Outward actions are rooted in inward convictions. What you do on the outside is based on what your moral framework is in here. Now, parents, let me talk to y'all real quick. Let me talk to you real quick, parents. I understand. We all want our kids to be a certain way. We do. But let me tell you, though. The way that our children often are is because of the environment that we've established in our homes. It's what we've done. There's normalcy in your home. There's a normal thing that's in your home. And if you really take a look at it, you might not like it. Yeah, You ever seen the TV show episode? This, this, this is Like every TV show does this, where um, they're having a guest over for dinner or something like that. You ever seen this episode of a TV show? They have a guest over for dinner, and all of a sudden everything's being tidied up everything's cleaning up real quick, everything's cleaning up here, they're cooking this big meal and all that, and then, you know, they're telling the kids, like, listen, you better act right, you better act right, you better act right, you know, in fact, we're gonna dress up, you gotta dress up, you gotta wear this, you can't be wearing that, you gotta wear this, because so-and-so's coming over, and then the kids are like, why are we wearing this, why are we doing this, uh. and then it comes to the dinner moment, and I remember I saw an episode like this. this, this is, I thought this was really funny, and the father goes, all right, who would like to say grace, and the kid, of course, blows up the spot, right, you seen this episode, well, we never say grace, And and the dad's like, (laughs) but it's fake to say, oh, let's do these things that we don't normally do. It's not an inward conviction. It's not important to you and your family. And I understand, you know, raising children is tough. It's tough. But it's something that you got to think about, about who you are and what you're doing and the environment that you're creating in your household. So if you want your children to talk a certain way, to move a certain way, to be a certain person, you got to set that foundation for yourself. Most of being raised, if we remember our own childhood, is not what's taught, but what's caught. It's the normal things of our household. So now you got to ask yourself, what are are my inward convictions? What What are we saying as a married couple, as parents? What are we saying that's right and wrong? What's good and bad? What are we saying? What are we demonstrating? Because that will build up your child's integrity. You can talk all you want about not lying. But the moment you try to fake that your kid is of a certain age to get a discounted movie ticket, your child has learned more about you and your integrity or lack thereof than anything you ever say. It's that classic hypocrite line. Maybe you can finish this one with me. Do as I say. Oh, y'all grew up with that? Right? Right? Now, it's one of those things where, don't expose people, bro. (laughs) But it's one of those things where we don't want to be like that, but we are. But we are. And the faster you admit it and confess it, the better off you'll be. We want to be people of integrity, but we have to be people who know ourselves. And only God can teach us that in depth. We can observe things, but we have to bring it to God. We got to say, God, you know, you got to help me with this, God. I just, I feel like I want to be this type of person, but I just can't let God take over. Put your hand in his hand. That conviction that Daniel and his friends had, that's because they knew who they were, because that's who God said they were. And that's the most important thing. You do what you do because of who you are. Your outward actions, those are based on your inward convictions. It's not random. Even your reactions, that's based on what's in here. In scripture, we read a a nice little proverb that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the lips speak. What you say, the words you use, the names you use for people, that's from here. That's how you think of them. That's what you think about them. That's what comes out. The second uh, episode, we have this, is, and this, this is a famous story. It's so famous that my daughter asked me last night, what are you going to talk about at church, daddy? Um, let's talk about Daniel. And oh, Daniel in the Lion's Den? Yeah. I know that story, Daddy. Oh, yeah, you do? Yeah, says the whole thing. And I'm like, all right, you want to get up on the, the microphone and y'all can just talk? Everybody think it's cute, you know? Let me just talk about that. Now we know this story. Now, Daniel in the lion's den. Here we have an image of this. Right here. Now, where's this from? I got to give a little little plug real quick. Uh, This is from the U Version Bible, the kids version, which is full of games. So if you got little kids, you might want to get get on this and have these little games. It's like little. It tells the story. There's little prizes, little badges. It's the same gameplay as always. But but you definitely want to maybe take a look at this. Now, one reason I picked this picture is because you'll notice something. That guy in the middle is Daniel. He's old. See, here's the thing. Sometimes, and I I know this is a tough one, but sometimes our, our artwork about the Bible and things like that kind of throws us off the trail a little bit. See, Daniel, in the beginning, he was a teenager, a young man. By the time we get to this story, he's about 80 years old. And he's had a lot of stuff that he's gone through, a lot of challenges to his integrity. But this one, this is one of the last stories about his life that's in the book of Daniel. So we pick it up right here. We have, we have this, right? So it starts in Daniel 6. Now, let me just set some context. So you got Daniel. and He is the man. He's, he's, he's a man of integrity. He's trustworthy. He's been honored professionally. But then, you know, you got these people in the office that they just don't like you. You got these people that, you, you know, maybe some coworkers and, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You got them coworkers who they always got something to say. They're always trying to be like, oh, why does he get promoted? What's so special about them, what they're doing? Like, you know, I've been here a long time, right? And you got that person that's out there. In this case, it's people. And Daniel had that too. So if you ever feel alone in what you're going through, just read the Bible. You'll be like, yo, me too, man. Me too. So here's what's happening, right? You got these people. They're just hating on Daniel. They're just hating on the guy. They're just hating on him. They're like, man. And it says this in verse 4, and I find this to be interesting. At this, the administrators and the satraps, that's a political position, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. They want to just bring this dude down. They found to the, uh, find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. Let's get him professional. He's got to you know, he cut some corners somewhere. He might have done something wrong. Might have fudged the little numbers here and there. We got to try to get this dude. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him Because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Listen, the man crossed his T's, he dotted his eyes, everything was on point. They couldn't get him for that stuff. So they said, well, let's go for his culture. Let's go for his religion. Let's see if we can, like, kind of, you know, make him, like, you know, stand against what we do here in our culture and in our religion. So what they do is this. They go to the king at the time. And then, hey, basically tricked the king into making a law. Like, hey, nobody could pray to any other god besides what you say. What you say, king. And the king's like, yeah, we want that loyalty. That's good. We should, we should do that. And sure enough, who's the first person accused of doing that? Daniel. And the king, he's upset about this because Daniel's one of his best, best, best professionals. One of his best. His integrity is on point. His documentation is on point. He didn't fudge any numbers. He didn't cut any corners. He's, he's that guy. He's that guy. But the king said, oh, man, I got to, can't go against my laws, though. All right? He has to go into a pit of lions. Lions. Now, lions are huge, huge, carnivorous beasts meant to just kill. And we pick it up right here in verse 17. It says, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, his own logo. And with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation may not be changed. This was it. The king had to do this. He didn't want to. He was like, ah, man. But he had to do his thing. And then the king returned to his palace and and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him. He couldn't sleep. See, the king is so wrought by this because he knows, he knows that Daniel is a man of integrity. He knows that. But he couldn't go against those laws. And he can barely eat. Got to push that plate away. He could barely sleep at night. He's just so, just, ah, like, I can't believe this is happening. And then at first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Dan, you good? It doesn't say that. Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, because I know that's your thing, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Majesty, I'm here, man. Yeah, we're good. I don't say that either. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done anything wrong before you, your majesty. Daniel's integrity was honored by God. To the point where it saved his life. It saved who he was. Now, I got to tell you, in my own personal experience, I've had a lot of situations where people around me have been doing some just crazy stuff. But I wasn't doing nothing wrong. I remember one time, it was, it was a sort of weird situation where people thought they were going to get caught for something. And I remember just sitting there, just looking at them and just looking at them, run around and try to figure everything out. And just, I was, I was cool. Because I knew I knew I was clean. I knew I was good. I didn't participate in any of that nonsense. I maintained my integrity. And sure enough, I remember one guy coming up to me in one situation was like, don't worry, Elliot, you'll be fine. You're a good guy. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm cool. I don't know about you guys. I don't know about y'all, might, mm, but I'm going to be cool. You might have had things in your job where your reputation has gone before you where someone knows who you are. Now, I've, been, I've worked as a classroom teacher for 13 years, and I know sometimes there's, there's been things that have happened in schools, but I tell you this, there's times where in my colleagues where, where a student tries to pull a fast one on this, and I'm like, I know that that teacher that you just said said that. I know they didn't say that. I remember one teacher called me on the phone and was like, Mr. Johnson, did you really say that they could do X, Y, and Z? And I said, do you think I said that? They said, just checking. Clank. Your reputation will go before you as a man or woman of integrity. When you say something, people will know it's on. People will know it's good. People will know it's right. Why? Because you have built that in their minds for what you've done. Think about the person at work who no one can trust. Who no one can trust. Think about the person at work when they do something right you kind of question it. Like, did, so-and-so, they, did, so-and-so did that? So-and-so? I can understand if this guy did it because that's, that's that dude. But so-and-so did it? Eh, I don't know about that. Your reputation can go before you in your integrity. But the longer you play the game of being two-faced, of lying, of cutting corners, of cheating, of saying one thing and do another, that will catch up to you too. I'm not promising it. God is promising it. We have Proverbs 10, verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity, walks securely. You know you you can walk through any situation because you're a person of integrity. You know you're not going to get hurt. You know you're not going to get it. You know that because your records are clean. You've done what you're supposed to do. You ain't been lazy about it. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. That's a promise. God's going to do justice. God's got to do what God's got to do. Make sure you're on the right side of it. Now, for those of us who are in leadership positions, whether it be at home or at work, understand you got a lot of responsibility to be the one that shows integrity to everybody else. Because you can read that about Daniel, and you can read that about the lion's and and think, like, well, Elliot, I mean, he was a, yeah, he was good, but look what happened to him. I mean, that was dangerous. To that, I say this lesson. The right thing to do is the wrong thing to do according to the wrong people. You can't use everybody else's judgment to determine what's right and wrong for you. You've got to do right by what's right. You have to. And yes, I know at work, you've probably been told to fudge some numbers sometime or to just, you know, not say certain things. I understand that. And you've got to be wise. I'm not saying you should... You should uh, uh, be the person to not be, like, doing your job. But I'm saying you got to be careful. you got to be careful. And here's another thing, too. Don't doubt God's justice because that person that might have told you to do something wrong, you don't think God's watching them, too? When God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, y'all got to trust that one because it's true. And this is the part where we have to realize about our decisions, especially if we're connected to other people. Your decisions, my decisions, they're not made in a vacuum. There are things that I decide that directly affect my wife. There are things that I decide that directly affect my children. There are things that you decide at work that could really hurt other people. It could hurt someone else. You might think, well, I'm I'm good, you know, I I gotta do what I gotta do. But what you did in compromising your integrity might have ruined someone else's professional life. You might have just tried to go along to get along and end up hurting someone else. And that we just can't handle. We can't approve that. And I know some of us, and and me too, I know some of us, when you work alongside with someone who you feel like is trying to make you trip up, is trying to make you do or say things that are wrong, I know it's annoying. I know it's frustrating. I know it's isolating. You might feel like you're alone. You might think like, great, I'm the one that no one wants to hang out with. I got to eat by myself in the cafeteria. Like, you know, like I would love to be social, but, you know, I don't want to like go where they're going. It's funny because um, during uh, the 301 class that I had the honor of teaching, uh, someone told a story about their boss. Saying that their boss is always just, just talking to them about how can you believe in God? How can you be a church person? Like, how can you do all this stuff? How can you do all this stuff? And to this person's credit, they just testified and just said what they knew about the Lord. And then they kept saying how, oh, but then, then they'll be like this and that and this and that and this and that. And it's really annoying. And I know in that moment, you want to just blast that guy, just say something to them. But this person maintained their integrity, and I love their story, because they realized that they had to do right by God. They had to do right by God and tell the truth. Even though, though it was annoying to get just constantly prodded by someone, especially your boss, time and time and time and time and time again. But be encouraged because here's the thing. If you're a man or woman of integrity, that might be the reason why they're doing it to you in the first place. They might see you as like, okay, this person's serious about the Lord. They're serious about their faith. And yes, they might come at you sarcastically, trying to mock you, trying to trip you up. I've been there many times but you got to maintain yours. You got to maintain that integrity because they see something. You might not think this, but realize this. And this is what I said to the person in the class. They see something in you that's worth even asking about. So see that opportunity as an opportunity. See that as somewhere where like, you know what? I'm going to testify to this person and I'm going to have faith that that word that's spoken to them will land and take root because everyone here Has a before Christ. And you might have been that person at one point in your life. Church is stupid. Oh, I can't believe in this stuff. Oh, stop it, mom. I don't want to go. But you're here now. And some of you, you, that's part of your faith journey. You were that person on the outside, picking, prodding, mocking. But now you're here in God's arms. And guess what? There's other people who were like you. They see who you are, they see your integrity. They might not honor it. They might not. I can't promise you that. What I can say is try to see the way God sees, as that's a person who needs to hear the truth. And the truth is in your life and what you do and how you are. And it's very tempting. It's very tempting to just blow them off. Or just to be annoyed and just hate them. And trust me, as a classroom teacher, I'm challenging my integrity every day. Every day. I'm have students from all types. I've had Great students, and you can tell who come from loving families of integrity and values and have healthy adult relationships. And then you got baby's kids. And because I'm a man of God, I gotta love them too. I might be the most professional person they know. I might be the person who, in their eyes, I mean, I, in their eyes, I got it all together. But that's the thing, we have to see it like that. Your integrity is something that people can visibly see in your life. The way you walk, the way you talk, your outward actions, what you do. And that is something that will attract them. That can attract them professionally because they know they can trust you. They know that you're you're, a straight shooter, straight arrow, and all those terms of you, you know, solid. All those terms you use, my my principal said that. You're a solid teacher, man. I was like, thank you. Right here. They know that. They can see that. They can see that. Now, let me say this. In our relationships with one another, let me just talk to the sisters real quick. A man of integrity. Sisters. Ain't that attractive? Tell the truth. See? They they nod and they're clapping. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I know, but some of you are like, but where are they? We're praying. We're praying for y'all. We're praying. We're praying for everybody. But brothers, too. A woman of integrity. A woman of integrity. A woman who can be trusted. A woman who can, you know that she is by your side every single time. You know that. You know that's attractive. That's one of the most, I mean, married people here. You know when one person, yeah, you know, married people, make some noise real quick. Yes, go ahead. Actually, let's do this real quick. For, so everybody watching here, ready? Married people, on the count of three, shout out the number of years you've been married. One, two, three, 11. I hope, like, the like, husband and wife said the same number. Because if you didn't, like, just put on the calendar, you know, like, it's right, it's right there. But you know that person of integrity, when one person in a marriage or a relationship is not a person of integrity, and the other person is, and I'm sure you've seen that. I'm sure you might have experienced that. Hopefully you cut the, cut the ties on that one. You know that it's, it's a recipe for disaster. You know that. Friends. You want a friend that is a person of integrity. You want a friend who's not trying to trip you up. And you must also be a friend of integrity. Single people. I know you want that special someone. I know that. But what's most important is that you are becoming that special someone. That person of integrity that will attract someone else to say, you know, I can trust that person. And if I want to build a life with them, I want to walk side by side with them in integrity. Integrity. I want us to be solid together. And we, you know what? For, like we say in the marriage vows, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, sickness and health. We know that we can at least be moving together. Yes, there'll be challenges. But at least we're moving together in integrity. Proverbs 11, chapter 3. The integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Now what does duplicity mean, right? That's a fancy word too. Duplicity is that two-faced double nature. And it will destroy you. It will destroy every part of you. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your friendship. It will destroy you professionally because you will be found out eventually. And again, those of us in positions of authority or power, make sure your decisions are on point. Because other people below you, they might suffer. Duplicity will kill you. A person who was willing to compromise their integrity will harm others. And there will be impact there. And it might be an impact that has a massive crater that affects people all throughout a different area. In an office, in a family, an extended family, it might happen. So the question is this, do you want to be a man or woman of integrity? Now know this, if you say yes, there's expectations for you. And it's not do nots. It's not only do nots. It's things to do. So if we're talking about lying, that means you've got to speak truthfully. If we're talking about not doing certain things, you got to replace that with doing something else. you got to, you can't. Just leave it at, like, well, I don't do anything bad. You have to do things that are good, that are righteous in front of God. You have to. See, God is in the business of weeding and seeding. God's pulling out the weeds of our lives if we let him. But he doesn't leave us barren. He then puts the seed of his word, of his principle, of his character, of his wisdom. And then it grows as long as we stay connected to him. As long as we're there in his presence, dwelling with him, like Daniel did. Daniel had to pray and pray and pray, but he didn't only just leave it at that. When the time to make a decision came, him, his friends, they stood with God. We can pray and pray and pray, but when the decision comes, we need to act on that and say, yes, I'm a man of integrity. I'm a woman of integrity, and I want to stand before God like that. You know it's interesting because i can't guarantee you position wealth i can't guarantee you any of that But what i can guarantee you is that a life of integrity whether it be a very quiet life is a life worth living it actually reminds me of a uh, a certain romance novel that's a film you might have heard of this one the notebook there's a line in the notebook, and I've used this in several meetings, and it says this, it's about a person who, uh, about a husband, he says, he says this, I am nothing special. Of this I am sure. I'm a common man with common thoughts, and I've led a common life. There are no monuments dedicated to me, and my name will soon be forgotten. But I have loved another with all my heart and soul, and to me, this has always been enough loving your spouse, loving your children, showing God's love to your coworkers. There's more value in all of that than any prize you can win because ultimately, God is the one who is giving you that honor. So if you want to be a man of integrity or a woman of integrity, I'm going to ask you to do something, but I want you to really think about this decision. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to to stand where you are, just to stand. Standing is important because when you stand in response to something, that means that you are putting your feet firmly down and you're rising up and you're saying, yes, me, yes, and God is watching us. All the time. So if you want to be a man or woman of integrity, that means the duplicity has to end. The lying has to stop. The cheating has to stop. The perverted nature has to stop. The gossip has to stop. That has to stop. Words of love, words of encouragement, doing things right because it's the right thing to do and it's what you're responsible for. That's a life of integrity. And people will see it. And they might ask you something, but be warned about this. If you stand, God sees you, and we all see you too. It's a narrow path to walk, but it's a path that leads to life, a life that's abundant and full. So if you want to be a man or woman of integrity, I invite you to stand where you are, just to stand where you are. And stand before God and just say, God, lead me to be a man of integrity. Lead me to be a woman of integrity. God, give me the self-control. Give me the patience. Give me the kindness. God, help me to be a man or woman that is trustworthy. God, convict me when I'm wrong. When I'm wrong, make it just, just like how the king couldn't sleep at night without making things right. God, I pray over everybody here. I pray you disrupt their lives of the comfort that sometimes comes with compromising integrity. God, I pray that every person standing here takes this moment seriously to invite you into their heart and say, God, I'm standing before you. Make me a man or woman of integrity. Help me, lead me, guide me. God, I pray you raise up people in their lives to hold them accountable I pray that you give them the wisdom, the wisdom that they need to sometimes stay quiet, to pray, to see beyond what's happening, to react in wisdom, Lord God, and not to compromise their integrity, that they would be solid, they would be undiminished, Lord God, that we stand before you as a church, that is the light of the world of people of integrity. So when they say, do you go to Christ Fellowship? And you say, yes. They know that we are people who are about your business, Lord God. That we are true to your word and who we're supposed to be. That we will stand upright, Lord God, and not be crooked. God, I pray for everybody here, Lord God. Everyone here whose decisions will affect someone else in their lives directly. God, forgive us. Have mercy on us. May your grace sustain us. Forgive us for compromising, for being lazy, for not doing things right by you, for trying to hide from you, trying to hide from other people. God, guide us, lead us in the path of integrity. Jesus, we pray this in your mighty, powerful, and holy name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Walk in integrity.
0: Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 1030 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.